Thanks for tuning in to this week's message as we begin a new series called Attacking Anxiety. This series begins with Trey teaching on the subject of Anxiety Anonymous. Anxiety is something that we all struggle with at times, but with the proper rehab, this is an addiction that can be beat. So let's listen in as we begin learning how to attack anxiety. Man, you guys take a copy of God's Word and let's settle in at 1 Peter chapter 5. Hopefully you got the vibe from the video of what we're about to get into over the next few weeks, anxiety. Man, it's one of those things that affects all of us from time to time and to varying extents. And so I'm excited to see how God is going to use this new series that we're beginning tonight called Attacking Anxiety. All of us have been victims of our anxiety attacking us, I think we would agree with. And, you know, it seems like as you look around in our world, as you look in our society, anxiety is becoming more and more prevalent as a struggle in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Your generation is already being called the anxiety generation. It's such a prevalent problem that it is becoming a distinguishing mark of your generation. That's the nickname that you guys have earned for yourself already at such a young age. You're the anxiety generation. And studies show that anxiety disorders affect 40 million people in this country alone, with the most common of those actual disorders being GAD, which is general anxiety disorder. You're just a generally anxious person. It doesn't take anything necessarily specific to set it off. You just generally spend your life in anxiety. And then there's SAD, which is social anxiety disorder. People that don't like to be around crowds, people that get nervous when they get around a group of people. And then there's another one that's most common with this generation in specific. And I didn't really realize that this was considered an anxiety disorder, but it's OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And it makes sense, right? Because some of you in this room, you might struggle with being generally anxious. You might struggle with social anxiety disorder. You might struggle with being OCD. And I never thought about OCD being an anxiety kind of thing. But I know some people that struggle with OCD, and it makes sense that a lot of things in life cause them to be anxious because of that. And in specific studies have shown ladies, anxiety is especially hard on you because they have found that most women are more anxious than men. And that makes sense, too, in a lot of ways, especially for me as a married man living with a lady, not to say that my wife is just anxious all the time, but you girls do tend to struggle with it more. A lot of you guys, you might have grown up with anxious mothers. I mean, if you weren't home, like, if your curfew was 11 o'clock and it was like 11.01, it was like, okay, he's probably dead. So I should call somebody. We should send out a search team. You women, you, you just, you tend to be more anxious than us. Guys, people are stressed. People are worried. You're anxious over relationships. You're anxious over school. You're anxious over finances. You're anxious over your future. You're anxious over jobs. You're anxious over social media. And as a result, people are either gaining weight or they're losing weight. People are either having their hair fall out on its own or you're pulling it out because of the anxiety that you have in your life. But my question is, can we reverse the trend? Can we reverse the trend? Can we get to a place where we can actually attack our anxiety instead of our anxiety attacking us? And if we can, how can we do that? And I hope that's what we're going to be able to learn over the next few weeks, hopefully, hopefully as we look into God's Word 
And we're going to start tonight right here in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. And Peter is writing to a group of believers who are going through a time of anxiety or going through some anxious times in their life. And look at what he writes. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Isn't it nice to know that you're not walking through sufferings alone? And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look at the person sitting next to you, and I want you to tell them, Hello, friend. Welcome to Anxiety Anonymous. You guys just thought you were coming to church tonight, but it's actually an AA meeting. So congratulations. You just checked into rehab for the next couple of weeks. No one ever really intends on getting addicted to anything. What happens is you try something or you experience something one time and then the next thing you know a habit gets formed in your life. And we've got some people here tonight who I think are anxiety addicts. Anxiety crept into your life a long time ago and now it's that habit that won't go away. As a matter of fact, you can't even imagine a life without it. And some of you, you're not sure if you're an anxiety addict or not. You're kind of on the fence about it. And you think, well, I have anxiety every now and then, but I don't know if I'm necessarily addicted to it. Well, let me give you some warning signs that might reveal how you might be an anxiety addict. The first of which is you might actually have an actual anxiety disorder. So it might be one of those things that we mentioned earlier. It might be general anxiety, or it might be social anxiety, or it might be obsessive compulsive. And listen to me, if you have any of those disorders you need to seek help in those things. We're not trying to minimize the fact that people do actually have psychological disorders that you have a struggle with controlling. And here's the deal. There is no, there's no separation between spiritual and physical. Sometimes we think that there's the physical realm over here and there's the spiritual realm over here. But spiritual and physical are interconnected. And so you have to address both the problems in the same arena. So we're not trying to minimize that. But if you have one of those actual disorders, you might be an anxiety addict. If sleep is a struggle for you, there's a possibility that you might be an anxiety addict. If you're sensitive to facial expressions, you might be an anxiety addict. If you walk into a room and you notice the expressions that people have on their faces, whether they're directed towards you or not, your mind begins to go through all these thoughts of, why are they looking at me like that? I wonder what they're going to say behind my back when I walk off. If you're sensitive to facial expressions, you might be an anxiety addict. If you have excessive worry in your life you might be addicted to anxiety and I'm talking about everything is worst case scenario you fail one test and you think your whole school career is over with I might as well just quit I might as well just find a new calling if you're late for one appointment I mean you were that kid like and it starts at an early age right like in kindergarten if you had to go and take one of your stars off the board like you were ready to just go home and never come out in public again you might be an anxiety addict. If you have chronic fatigue, if you're just tired all the time, it's possible that you might be addicted to anxiety. If you have irritability, 
if you can just snap at any given moment, that might be a result of the anxiety that you have in your life. I'm not saying if you have these things in your life that you're actually absolutely addicted to anxiety. But I'm just saying it's some warning signs that you might need to pick up on. And so tonight really is just about finding a starting point for us where we can begin to take back the ground in our lives that anxiety has taken from us. And I've got seven steps to share with you guys, and we're going to have to rock and roll pretty quick with them tonight. Seven steps that I want to share with you to start rehabbing. And these steps are actually taken from the 12 steps of the AA program. No joke. You can think of me less if you want to, and you're like, who is this guy? Some pastor is getting his message points from like the AA program, but I'm telling you, when you see him, you're going to be like, okay, that makes sense. Seven of the first 12 steps, and we're going to match them up with God's Word so you don't think there's just some randomness. It actually fits perfectly with the passage that we just read, and so let's line them up. Step number one. Step number one to rehabbing your anxiety addiction is admitting powerlessness over the addiction. The first two words that we read from Peter are what? Humble yourselves. So it's kind of like this. Hi, my name is Trey, and I'm a recovering anxiety addict. Thank you. It's nice to be welcomed into the group. The first step in attacking your anxiety is to admit that you don't have the power to overcome it. This is very important step. Step number one is a very important one. It's the hardest one to take. But it's an important one to take. The first step in attacking your anxiety is to admit you don't have the power to overcome it. That's what it means to be humbled in this context. To look at a struggle that I have in my life and come to a point where I realize I have battled this and battled this and battled this and I have tried and tried and tried out of my own strength and out of my own power to overcome it. And what I have realized as the end result is that I cannot do it. Stop being so proud that you won't admit your struggle. And I know this is hard to do. It's hard to admit struggles. It's particularly hard to admit an anxiety struggle. You know why? Because to admit that I struggle with anxiety is to reveal the fact that I have trust issues. And who wants to admit that? Nobody wants to admit that they have trust issues, especially when it comes to our Heavenly Father, right? We'll come here and sing the songs of praise about what an awesome and mighty God He is and what a beautiful name He has and how He is sovereign over everything in my life and I trust Him with everything that I have. And then we go and we worry and we stress and we freak out. We don't want to admit this struggle because it reveals that we do actually have trust issues when it comes to God. At the same time, stop being so proud that you won't admit your lack of strength. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, God opposes the proud. If you're so proud that you won't admit your lack of strength, God actually stands in opposition of you on this. But when you humble yourself, look at what God does. God gives what? To the humble. Grace. If you want grace to deal with your addiction, you better learn how to humble yourself before God. Admit that you are powerless to overcome the addiction. Step two. Believing that a higher power can help. Look at the second half of verse six. And so Peter's speaking to these people. He says, humble yourselves. And we started right there. But then we find step two right here. He says, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may 
exalt you. Step two, believing that a higher power can help. Start truly believing right now in faith that God, as the higher power, can help you with your struggle. Believe it in faith. Psalm 121, verses 2 through 3 says this, My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Some of you are seeking help for your anxiety from the wrong sources. You'll consider every other book that's on the shelf at Lifeway about how to handle your anxiety, but you won't ever consider this book. You're seeking help from the wrong sources. Some of you will go to your friends. Some of you go to a support group. And you'll have accountability partners. And all that stuff is good and well. And you'll seek advice from them, but you won't seek counsel from God. Start believing that a higher power can help you. That God can. It's amazing, by the way, how many of us fully trust God with our eternal salvation, but then fully doubt that He can help us with our temporary anxiety. That doesn't make any sense. And I don't want trying to make anybody feel dumb, you know, because a lot of this stuff made me feel dumb when I was working through it. I was like, okay, good point, God. Like, I have any trouble trusting you in my eternal salvation, but then when it comes to handing off my temporary anxiety to you, I'm full of doubt that you can't handle that. You can handle my eternal security, but you can't handle my anxiety. doesn't make any sense, guys. Believe that he can help you. Look at, look at what Peter said in the midst of that verse. He said, at the proper time, he may exalt you. Or in other words, he may lift you up. That's what exalt means, to be lifted up. Only God has the power. Listen, only God has the power to lift you up out of your anxiety. Only he has the power to do so. So start believing in him and that he can do that and take it by faith. Step three, deciding to turn control over to the higher power. Look at verse 7. This is where we find this step at. Step 3 is in verse 7 where Peter says, Casting all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Peter admonishes these believers to throw all of their anxieties onto God. And this can be an extremely hard step for anxious people to do because most people that struggle with anxiety are fixers. And all the anxious people in the room said, Amen. Most people that struggle with anxiety are fixers. You try to fix any and every problem that you encounter. Even if it's not something that you started, even if it's something that's beyond your ability to fix, you consume yourself with trying to fix the problem. And when things get beyond your control, it triggers your anxiety. Am I right? When things get beyond your control... It triggers your anxiety on a whole nother level. That's why this step can be so hard for anxiety addicts. Listen, this is important. If you're powerless to overcome it, then you must become dependent upon the power that can. So important. If you are powerless to overcome your anxiety addiction, you must, you must, it's not optional, you must become dependent upon the power that can, which is who? God. So it's your choice. You've got to let Him have control of the situation if you're going to receive healing, if you're going to experience freedom in this area of your life. You've got to let God take control of it. Step number four, taking a personal inventory. I like this step. Verse eight, step four is found in verse eight. Be sober-minded. 
Peter says to the people. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. When Peter says to these people, be sober-minded, when he says to them, be watchful, in essence, he says, pay attention to your life. Pay attention to your own life. It will be of vital importance to each and every one of us to identify the source of our anxiety. You have to identify the source of your anxiety and where it's coming from. And taking a personal inventory is just for that purpose. It's so that I can identify the areas and the source of my anxiety. So over the next couple of weeks, I want you guys to do something for me. Can you do me a favor over the next couple of weeks? Can you commit to this? I want you to do an anxiety analysis of your life. Every time that you get anxious, I want you to record it. Where were you? Who were you with? What did you just eat? What time was it? Were you by yourself? What caused that anxiety to come about? Do an anxiety analysis of your life. And let's see if we can't start developing some patterns of where your anxiety tends to originate from. Because most of you, if, if you would take time to diagnose your life and look and see, what you will begin to find, I think, is that your anxiety tends to hang out in the same places. And so when we know that, and when I see that, and when I become aware of it, what can I then do? I can take proactive steps to avoid those kind of places. Or even if I can't avoid them, I can go into those situations knowing that I've got to be armored up because this has potential to cause my anxiety to flare up inside of me. So take an anxiety analysis of your life and see where your source of anxiety is. And you know, obviously, as Peter points out, the source of our anxiety can sometimes be Satan. It can sometimes be a spiritual attack. I have no doubt whatsoever that Satan loves to throw anxious moments into our lives to cause us to become anxious. And so you can come under a spiritual attack. It can come from there. It, that can be an original source of your anxiety. But can I just can I say something to y'all without you taking it the wrong way? Stop blaming the devil for everything. Now I know we, we don't fight against flesh and blood, and a lot of our lives as believers is a spiritual battle. But you can't blame him for every single thing. You can't blame him for all the anxiety in your life because a lot of our anxiety comes from what we allow to continue entering our lives at our own fault. Let me give you an example. Maybe that it's not Satan's fault that your struggle with anxiety is due to comparison. You just need to get off social media. Golly, I didn't think it'd get that quiet that quick. Maybe it's not Satan's fault that your struggle with anxiety is over your next exam. You just need to stop procrastinating when it comes to studying. <laughs> You're like, dang, Trey. You're taking my excuses away. It's all Satan's fault. You're not trying to minimize the work of the enemy in our lives. But at the same time, I do think we need to chill out on maximizing the things that he does in our lives. Maybe your anxiety is just a result of you being lazy in certain areas of life. Just saying. It's a possibility. You can't blame him for everything. So take a personal inventory. Step number five. Admitting to the higher power and another person the wrongs done. Check out verse 9. 
And Peter continues, he says, resist him. So he's been talking about spiritual warfare. He talks about how we do face battles and we do face anxieties that have their source in Satan. But then he says, resist him in verse 9, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So Peter tells the believers to resist. This is a battle. It is a battle. And you must resist the temptation to give in to your anxiety. To resist is literally to dig your feet into the ground. In the Greek, it, here, it, has, it carries this picture of digging your feet into the ground and bracing yourself for impact to come against you. To resist against that. This will be a battle. If you're going to overcome the anxiety struggles that you have in your life, it's going to be a battle. And the reality is there will be times that you mess up. The reality is there will be times that you give in no matter how hard you fight back. When that happens, step number five, confess it to God. Admit to Him that you messed up. Admit to Him that you had a lack of trust or a lack of faith in that moment in your life. Confess it to Him. And at the same time, find someone else that can help you through this struggle. One of the greatest things about being a believer in Christ is that you don't have to walk through struggles by yourself. You have a whole community of believers that can help you. There's a whole group of people in here that I promise you, when they walk out of this door tonight, they will confess, I'm an anxiety addict. I need help. Let's get together and help each other. So find someone who can help you stay accountable. Find someone that can help you stay strong. It's a lot easier on the battlefield when you've got a brother or sister in Christ standing beside you fighting with you. So when you have a slip-up moment, confess it. Admit it to God. I messed up. I had a weakness. God, I apologize. Help me to, to become stronger in that situation. And here's, here's the thing. Uh, oftentimes when we make mistakes, I know the natural thing to do, because I do this in my life as well sometimes, is that we want to take that mistake, we want to take that mess up, we want to take that shortcoming, and we want to internalize it. But can I give you a word of advice? Internalizing isn't minimizing. We think if we can internalize the problem, then maybe that will minimize it in our lives, and it really wasn't that big of a deal. But it actually has an adverse effect. Just because you internalize it doesn't mean that you minimize it. The problem is still there, and it's not going away until you intentionally address it. You're not the only one struggling. You're not the only one struggling. And you might not choose the struggle, but you do choose to struggle alone. You don't have to. You don't have to struggle by yourself. Step number six kind of fits in with verse nine as well. It says, being ready to have the higher power correct shortcomings. It will be important that you allow God the freedom to make correction in your life. You can close the walls of your heart off completely and not allow him to come in. And you will continue to struggle with the same old addictions and the same old anxieties. But if you open up your heart and you allow him the freedom to make corrections in your life, then he will do it. And when he does so, you've got to be willing to adhere to those corrections. When God brings reproof into your life, you have to make a commitment to follow that correction. And he may point to things you need to cut out that you don't really want to cut out. Well, the question is, how desperate are you to rise above your anxiety addiction? Because if you truly are at a point where you're ready to move past some of these struggles that you face for so long, then when God points something out to you, you better take it to heart and try to correct it. 
So when he points those things out, be ready to adhere to the, to the corrections that he wants you to make. Step number seven. Whew, we made it. After this step and tonight, everybody's going to be completely rehabbed from their anxiety. Never going to struggle with it again, right? <laughs> step seven. Asking the higher power to remove those shortcomings. Look at verse 10. Step seven. Found in verse 10. Peter finishes up his admonition to the believers here, and he says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Start asking now that God would give you freedom and that God would deliver you from your anxiety, addiction. And listen to me. It will take time. It will take time. This is not an overnight process. And if we follow along with Peter's description, then we can also expect for there to be some suffering along the road of progress. Look at what he says in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, it's not an easy fix. You might have some relapses. You might have some withdrawals every now and then. You might have some suffering that you have to go through. But look at how he follows up suffering. He says, the God of all grace. I found it to be so true throughout this life that the sufferings of this life are so often trailed by the grace of God. So when you enter into suffering, you can always expect God's grace to be following closely behind to help you to get through that thing. Anxiety will break you apart. It will shatter your self-confidence. It will zap your strength, and it will leave you completely shaken. But listen, go back to verse 10 and, and watch this with me. God has the power to restore where you've been broken, confirm your self-confidence that was shattered, strengthen the energy you had zapped, and establish where you were once shaken. Amen. It's no wonder Peter ends this admonition in verse 11 with one word. Amen. Amen. You can have freedom. You can be restored. You can be confirmed. You can be strengthened. And you can be established. So let's gather together over the next few weeks. And let's lock arms. And instead of throughout this life continuing to have our anxiety attack us, let's start attacking our anxiety. Let's put anxiety on the run in our lives by developing a deeper trust and faith in the sovereignty of our God who from the very words of his own mouth in Matthew chapter 6 looked into our lives and said do not be anxious